Hey there, CIC listeners. Welcome to episode number 39, part two of our review of The World is Not Enough. This one ran long, as these Bond episodes tend to do, so we thought we'd split it in two so you all could take a nap in between and be fully focused and refreshed for the second half of this wonderful film. And with that, take it away, Mr. Brosnan. Beg your pardon, forgot to knock. Welcome to the CIC, initiating security clearance. Who are you? Bond. James Bond. Pussy galore. He looks like His name's Jaws. He kills people. And Stavro Lofen. Identity confirmed. Now, pay attention, 007. Welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema, a podcast dedicated to spy movies and secret agent pop culture. Tom, what do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. You amuse me, Mr. Bond. Do you expect me to talk? Sorry, old man. Section 26, paragraph 5. Need to know. Sure you understand. Goodbye, Mr. Bond. Recording from an undisclosed caviar factory somewhere near the Caspian Sea, it's Central Intelligence Cinema Podcast. I'm Ben Esslinger, and with me, as should always be the case, my main man, Jason Greenberg. Hey, Ben. How's it going, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing great. How about yourself? Oh, you know, living the dream. Living, living the, the dream, dream. Living the dream in the brand new Undisclosed location. Undisclosed location. Yes, it's very it's shiny, very fancy. Very fancy. It's fantastic. I can't wait until it becomes just a regular undisclosed location <laughs> and we start dreaming of what the next one's going to be like. Yeah, it'll, it'll get dusty and old sooner sooner yeah. than later. I've got my eye on a little island that's sitting out in front of uh, England right now with a couple of levels underneath it. <laughs> seems more Bond layer-y than anything else, but mm, you know, yes. seems, you know, a little more on brand. I don't know. At least we're back in a basement again. Well, this is true. <laughs> Yet another basement. Well, we all know that everything bad happens in basements. That's right. In James Bond movies. Or, or bathrooms. Or bathrooms. Well, that's just me personally, but, uh, but definitely basements for Bond, which is a great way to segue into where we are today. Indeed, indeed. The bottom end of the world. <laughs> Is not enough. And let me tell you, in a movie with lots of bottom ends worth looking at, I'm pretty glad we're almost done looking at this one. There's a couple of good bottom ends to look at in this movie. There absolutely were. I mean, Pierce's tight. I wasn't really looking at his. I'm going to take your word for it on that one. But uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Well, you know, I felt like zagging instead of zigging today. Okay. Well, you know. That's what we love about the CIC here. We like to do things a little bit differently than everybody else. That's right. And, you know, this probably isn't as new as it was before, but, you know, we've come to the realization that sometimes when we get a little more wordy than we probably need to be, usually in conjunction with something involving Mr. James Bond. Indeed. We've a little decided, talky. Yeah, a little talky. So, we, you know, we've kind of decided on some of these longer ones to... Uh, Cut them down a little bit, put them into two episodes rather than one episode, so you don't have to listen to us prattle on for three hours and 85 minutes, which, yes, I realize would actually be four hours and 25 minutes, but <laughs> I'm not a mathematician, and I don't play one on TV. Indeed, indeed. Um, and so that was the case with The World Was Not Enough. Hopefully, you just finished listening to part one indeed. of this sparkling review that we're running through. Indeed. And I've uh, joined us here for part two where we're going to pick up right on immediately. <laughs> so, when last we left you, James Bond and Christmas Jones had just failed to defuse a bomb, which blew, On purpose. On purpose, but shh, not everyone knows that. Not everyone knows that. Which blew up a big chunk of Electra's pipeline, while Electra, back in the safety of her headquarters, along with M and the rest of M's team, were all like, oh no, James Bond is dead. And they were all very sad. And then Electra's like, no, haha, I'm the bad guy. I wanted it to blow up. I'm so evil and twisted, I don't even care because I got millions. I can fix that shit. And so um, <laughs> she tells M that, you know, hey, you know what, M? I'm the bad guy. And it's all because of you leaving me hanging out to dry with my dad. Not blaming my dad. Why not? Because I killed him already. So off you go for whatever your final dispensation will be. Take her away. I'll, uh, Darth Vader. And um, we get to where we are now. We kick back from that scene to Christmas Jones and Bond, who um, 
are actually not dead. Not dead at all. Not dead. Surprise, surprise. They're uh, finding their way out of one end of a pipeline. Correct. Not moving at 70 miles an hour. Not anymore. Not anymore. Well, you know, they were able to successfully slow down by jumping out of a 70 mile per hour moving uh, maintenance rig inside the pipeline. James Bond, as we discussed in the last episode, we've kind of come to the conclusion that Pierce Brosnan is not the smart Bond. No. So he was just too dumb to realize physics don't apply to him. And And yet, no road rash. No road rash. Neither one of them. They're just fine. It's like they have bulletproof skin. They they had a little bit of like grease, little little black grease. A little little schmutz that that your bubby would come over and lick her hands and and wipe that off. Uh, Aside from that, other than that, no worse for the wear. And that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. So they get out of the busted up, blown up pipeline out there. Christmas is a little pissed off because he's like, I could have defused the bomb. And Bond's like, I didn't want you to defuse the bomb. Now they think we're dead. I'm paraphrasing. Um, <laughs> because now everyone thinks they blew up, which was clearly what uh, Electra was aiming for. So he's like, now we kind of have the element of surprise. He then explains to her that they attacked their own line to explain away the stolen plutonium and to make it look like terrorists terrorist did it, did it. Right? Christmas then goes out to point for the viewer, and maybe James, because we have established <laughs> not the smartest bond, that the amount of plutonium they have wouldn't be enough to make a nuclear bomb with what they have. Dun, 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 dun. Well, and she's like, well, why would they go to this length just to get this small amount of plutonium? And, and again, Pierce is like, well, you're the nuclear physicist. You tell me. Right. You know, and then we get the best exchange. Oh, absolutely. The best exchange of the movie. But the world's greatest terrorist running around with six kilos of weapons-grade plutonium can't be good. I have to get it back or somebody's going to have my ass. First things first. Times the line so well. It's like, first things first. <laughs> And he almost does a double take right down below. Well, yeah, and the thing is, the thing, the thing is, you blink and you miss it, right? Because yeah. he plays it off so subtly. But I'm just like, you dirty old bastard. <laughs> it is. I do appreciate that it's not the wink that Roger would give. Correct. It's much more subtle. It so it's absolutely much more subtle. They, they're silly talk about what Bond's story is with Electra, what she's doing there, which is a really interesting thing that she, suddenly she's she she's wants very to, tight-lipped about what why she was doing this in the first place. Yeah, that is very interesting. Do we ever find out? We don't. And I'm like, where did that nugget go? I wonder if that's something that they forgot to take out or something. Well, I mean, it's kind Either of a, it could be kind of a throwaway line one way or the other. Yeah, she's Either got that, a past. Yeah. Either that or it was it allowed her to be nosy about what his relationship status was with Electra. Well, yeah, so there's definitely that. <laughs> that little bit of catty stuff. But I'm like Dude, there's a whole layer to her character that gets no explanation or exposition at all. And okay, it's a James Bond movie, not a Christmas Jones movie. I get it. Right. And I feel like if this movie had been made 10 years later, there would have been some viral video that went along with why Christmas Jones was doing this work. Right. Maybe would have built that character up more and given it more credence than they gave it in the movie. Indeed. But I want I want to know more about why Christmas Jones was working at the ass end of the world decertifying nuclear bombs <laughs> right? in Kazakhstan. Well, I wonder too. There was a whole series of um, posters that uh, Sean Longmore, who uh, does lots and lots of Bond art, he does the Bond poster. Oh, he, that's, he does a lot of alternate poster art for Mondo and for other companies. Yeah. He's great. Yeah, he does stuff for DVDs and stuff. But he did, a, I believe, three now where he made up Christmas Jones movies where she's the lead. Really? Yes. And I wonder if some of these, we might need to get him on and like see where his head was at when he was making those posters. Like, did he create like a whole story in order to sort of figure out what those posters looked like? Right. And, you know, who's in it and what's happening in the movie or whatever. Because I wonder if if maybe the wheels were turning for him as well during this moment. Yeah, because I just, the the whole dichotomy of it is that you've got this really attractive nuclear physicist, right? <laughs> that I mean, that, that's the whole conceit, right? And you don't know a thing about why she's there. Right. But the thing that I hate the most about this is that she's, from the director and the producer standpoint, she's there to be eye candy. Right. Because they don't give her the opportunity to make the character 
anything. Yeah. And yes, I would watch a Christmas Jones movie with Denise Richards in it if they gave her a script and something to work with. Absolutely. That would have been- Are you kidding? Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Yeah. So it's just that it felt like a little throwaway line. Maybe there was more to it and they, they just didn't film it. They edited whatever they did. Right. But you're like, I want to know more about that. And you get nothing because it's all about- are you dating her? Are you guys together? <laughs> Did you give her the Remington steel? This mean I have to come up with the names for all the other Bonds members, too. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not even going to think about that. Well, you've done a good job so far. So far. Uh, anyway, he says that and alluding that they need to go back and interrogate Zukovsky because he's come to realize maybe now that she's realized that Electra's the bad guy, that maybe there's something more there that's going on with yeah. that million dollar bet that went south. Right. But, you know, before that, we got to cut back to old Electra Renard Nem, the big family reunion. <laughs> We're back to Istanbul, not Constantinople. Nope, it's Istanbul. That's right. In Turkey. In Turkey. Anyway, <laughs> Renard arrives to beat Electra, who jumps into his arms. Plutonium. Whee! <laughs> and I like how they, there's this conceit that everyone's walking around that weapons grade plutonium is not dangerous. Right. You You can just handle it. It's it's fine. And I honestly, I meant to do some research on this. Yeah. I got more invested in Bond guns, which is something I usually don't do. Mm-hmm. But they're running around a bunch of FNP90s out there, all the bad terrorists and everything. I'm like, was Bond even using a Beretta? I couldn't even tell. And yeah, he was using a Beretta P99, which is apparently a Beretta. I don't know. I've never seen it before. But anyway, um, <laughs> I didn't get into the whole thing about weapons-grade plutonium. All I know is this. Plutonium, whether it's weapons-grade or not... It's still radioactive, highly radioactive. So if it's encased in something that, as a weapon, prevents it from leaking radioactivity, okay. But I just don't feel like that's how it works. It, I don't know. I mean, it looked like it was made in some sort of like a candle holder or something. Well, it was like, it's like, it's like, <laughs> like they, I do know that they're spherical, right? And at least earlier ones were designed sort of like soccer balls. Okay. So that when they exploded, they exploded in a specific direction. Push it in. Boom. You get fission and bombs. Right. right? So the circular portion of it makes sense to me. Why is it split in half at all? That makes zero sense to me. Why would you make something that inherently needed two pieces to be together to work separate? To be fair, now, it does. It still doesn't explain, is plutonium safe to just handle will it, willy-nilly, which it isn't. But they do convert the plutonium once they get to... Okay, with, <laughs> I've got more things on that. We'll, we'll get to that okay, point. Okay, okay. But, but my point being, A, I don't think you can handle any kind of plutonium safely mm-hmm. in its raw form like that. Seems bad. B, if you're putting it into something that makes it safe to handle, I think it negates the ability to make it do what it's supposed to do. And three, why is it split in half? Uh, it looked like it came apart, Ben. It had one side had dimples, <laughs> one side had nipples. Bob's your uncle, big circle right. sphere. I'm just like, this is dumb. But anyway, here's Renard. Here's your thing. Here's your future. We're going to rule the world, baby. Yeah, we are. Woo! Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Then they go down to M's cell, because, of course, there's a cell yes, in the course, house. in the house. I mean, it's europe Yeah, No, but it's Istanbul. So everybody's got a dungeon in, in their place in Istanbul, sure, right? Sure, of course. Not in Constantinople, but definitely in Istanbul. Right. This is where Electra kind of tells M, you know, my father meant nothing to me. He left me to die. You left me to die. Right. He Everyone stole my mother's to, fortune. I'm yeah, taking it back. And I'm taking back. I'm, I'm taking back what's mine. Girl power. But then she does this. All supervillains do. It's time to monologue. And she gives away her entire plot. Or rather, uh, he gives up the entire plot that they're going to blow up all of Istanbul by noon the next day. Yeah. Renard moves out, leaves her alone there. And, uh, well, before leaving, he wants to build the pressure for her because he's kind of an asshole so he takes a little wooden stool that's sitting in the the cell area and puts a clock on it so that she can watch time tick off to when the nuke's gonna go and and i believe this is also the moment where they get into this tete-a-tete em and and renard and renard is blaming em for leaving her with him yeah and letting him ruin her or whatever and it's so backwards logic. Like, it makes sense because he's supposed to be a madman. Right. And so it would make sense that he would somehow blame M. Heaven forbid that he do something better and right. not screw the girl up. 
Right, right. <laughs> you know, you put there in a situation where I, being the asshole that I am, had to be me right. and ruin her and turn her into what you see now. So right. that's all your fault, and that's why you have to die for me. <laughs> it's enough that you had to die because of that, but now you have to die because of what I had to do, that you made me do, so fuck you, Em. <laughs> You're going to die. <laughs> that all makes complete sense. I mean, <laughs> supervillain logic is sketchy in, in most cases anyway. He does have a bullet in his head. Yeah, Maybe the processing part, uh, isn't as great yeah, as it was. It could, could be part of it. You know, I, I don't know, but... Um, it is what it is. Yes. So he he walks out, leaves the clock on sitting on the bench. M kind of eyeballs it stealthily. What could possibly be happening? I don't mm. know. Is she thinking of a plan? We cut from there to Electra and Renard together. Um, <laughs> what can a man who can feel nothing do? One has to wonder. Mm. Well, they ask just that very question in this don't scene. They, and can, they can you, can put a little you, effort into it. So if you can't feel pain, can you feel any pleasure? I'm guessing I'm not. I'm thinking not. He might be having some intimacy issues. Maybe a little. Maybe. Just, uh, I mean, you know. one would think, you know, it would give him amazing staying power. <laughs> you might need a little blue pill. Assuming that his silver bullet is working. Oh, God. <laughs> How long did you work on that? I just came up with it right now. <laughs> right out of my brain. Just like the bullet in Renard's head. <laughs> so we, we realized that he has some problems, shall we say, Perfect. in the bedroom. <laughs> but she's kind of not mad, but she's kind of is mad. And he's all like, you enjoyed having sex with Bond. And she's all like, uh, have you seen the dude? <laughs> he's hot. <laughs> you would have liked having sex with Bond. What are you talking about? He gets all pissed off because he's like, I love you and I want to make you feel good and I want to enjoy it too, but I can't. So in a fit of rage, punches into a wooden random wooden box, which which is why? weird. And it looks very similar to the torture rack that we see later. Yeah. But it's not the torture rack. It's like an accoutrement to the torture rack yeah, that you, just... A little hat that you wear, a little well, hat box. Well... Footstool. Some, yes. Ooh, a booster seat. It could have something. I don't know. It had the same wood inlays. It, That's it all did. I know. <laughs> it could have been a booster seat for really short people because it didn't look like it was adjustable. Anyway. So he gets mad, punches a box. He can't feel any pain. He comes out and he's bleeding and creepy ice scene again. Yes. She, she let, tried. Me, let me put the ice on your knuckles where you could feel no pain. Right. And then I'm going to roll it down my face so seductively. Haunt <laughs> you to. No. <laughs> oh my gosh the whole thing is just gross i mean spoiler he's not turned on no it's no it's gross <laughs> i don't like it so they cut from that issue and then we get to m trying to get that clock that sets outside her cell with what did she grab i don't know it looked like Was a, it a cane broom? or a broomstick or something who leaves a broom anything with a length in it in a jail cell where you're trying to hold somebody well that's the thing about those old jails you know you know the, again this is probably just a, a rental uh <laughs> so there's a bunch of stuff in the cell yeah you know they just well you know if you're going to use the cell you might want to move all the stuff out of it or else you know your cap might. We need something for the cleaning crew after you're done renting it through Airbnb. <laughs> Your captive might get some ideas if, if you leave all that stuff in the cell. Hey, you guys signed the agreement. There's clearly a clause <laughs> in that says we're not responsible if anybody you lock up in the jail cell at the bottom of the villa is able to escape with what's left inside the jail cell. You are responsible for cleaning up your own messes. It's right there in the contract. So, so yeah. So she gets the thing in there and... I'm like, you know what? You're going to biff this because you're not, you're too much for her. You need to slow down, think about what you're doing. And she tries to drag this three legged stool over with right. the clock. Well, and then she, course, does, she biffs it. Yeah, it falls over. Yeah. Poor M. Boo hoo. Womp womp. We cut over to Zukovsky's Caviar Factory. Now, I'm going to go right here and say, I knew it was his caviar factory. I saw the sign. When it goes into the tank, I did not realize that was caviar. I was not putting two and two together. You know, the funny thing is, is I never really cared before <laughs> because I think I was too young at the time to give a shit about how caviar is harvested sure. or prepared. Sure. And so I never even imagined that I would ever even eat caviar when I was that age, I when know. I first saw the movie. But watching it now, I was like, oh, okay, well, that does make sense. I just, it just never, it never clicked that, oh... You need 
a facility that's kind of over the water. <laughs> well, yeah. For all so, these things to work. <laughs> again, I wish I had taken the time to see how caviar was actually produced. Now, it's so expensive because you're basically getting fish eggs, right? Right. So it's not like they're just eggs. You got to go and get the eggs. Probably a very specific fish. Right. Oh, they're definitely specific fishes that you do it with. I feel like, A, there's not a tank that big full of caviar anywhere in the effing no. world. Seems sloppy, yeah. too. B, how clean is that facility when there's nothing even covering not the tank? It's just raw. I'm just like, and now you've got special Zukowski flavored Zukowski caviar <laughs> because he was rolling around in it. Well, you know, these but things happen. I thought it was oil. I thought it was anything but what it was until I realized, oh shit, that's caviar he's in. Right. Ew. Something about that makes it even worse than being in oil or something. I'd rather be in oily water than caviar. Well, that's fish oil and things. Dude, you're going to get out of there and you're going to be picking fish eggs out of orifices Things that you don't want to imagine caviar has found its way into. Anyway, so this is like probably the biggest set piece of the film other than, uh, well, I'd say it's definitely the biggest set piece because even the pre-title had some narrative structure and and whatever to it before we got to the boat chase. This one is clearly just a blow shoot up. It really is. And there's a couple moments where it's a little too in your face, almost as if the production company is telling you, this is the part where we blow shit up. So pay attention, W7. Because there's a moment specifically, I'm getting ahead of us, but we're close enough, where Pierce Brosnan is running down the deck or whatever it is, the walk, the walkway. Right. He's running at full speed and the tree trimming blades are right behind him, literally right behind him. And he's running in a straight line directly towards camera. And it's almost out of nowhere because the previous shots he's it's not like he comes around the corner you don't see how he arrived there right it's just we constructed this beautiful shot right here and damn it it's going in the film that's right how much that shot cost (laughs) exactly it's It's in the movie it's lit perfect everything blows up the way it's supposed to use it yeah use it continuity be damned indeed so we get over here to the caviar factory. Um, we see Sukovsky rolling up in his Rolls Royce, which is hilarious. <laughs> He's rolling in the Rolls, yo. He walks in, and the, the logo is tilted sideways, and it's obviously just the tin off of one of his right. caviar tins. He has to turn it back, and he grumbles about it. We got uh, Mr. Goldie Bullion in there, sees Bond's BMW, immediately goes and calls Electra to tell her that Bond's alive, because guess what? He's a mole. He's a mole. He's a mole in the Zukovsky organization. Oh, no. Oh, no. At this moment, Zukovsky comes into his office to find Christmas Jones in a tight-fitting purple dress, smiling. I love this moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's like... (laughs) And how did you get in? I'll call security and congratulate them. (laughs) Drink. Can't you just say hello like a normal person? Such a great moment. It is. Uh, I think Robbie Coltrane really kind of stole the scenes that he was in. Every scene. Every scene he's in, I can't not just... just so over the top. Yeah. But in the best way. Like, not in an eye roll, oh God, get him off the screen way. No. More like you just can't get enough of it. Yeah, he's just... He's this jovial whatever he is, is... And he loves relishing in being what he is. Yes. Right? Yeah. You, know, you can he, tell he's clearly enjoying himself yeah. in the role. He's the Sala of these <laughs> yes, pictures, right? Yes. So Bond wants to know what Zukovsky's business is with Elektra. He tells that Elektra and Renard are now working together. But Zukovsky goes, well, he didn't know that. Suddenly, the helicopter tree trimmer, callback, cuts right through the Beluga factory. Like, literally cuts the Beluga factory in half. Hey, well, actually, <laughs> technically, it's a beluga caviar factory because they're not manufacturing belugas. They're manufacturing caviar. From the beluga. From the beluga. So, oh, beluga whale. No, it's not beluga whales because they're whales. They don't have eggs. They're mammals. I don't know these things. <laughs> I don't know. I was not a biology major. Look, I people, I don't even, I'm kind of talking to my ass here, too. Pretty sure it's not beluga, <laughs> beluga whales because they're mammals. 
But if uh, one of our tens of listeners out there knows anything about <laughs> caviar and beluga caviar in particular, please let give us a shout out and let us know. That's right. CSE dead drop at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, seeing these wonderful spinning blades of death, and we've literally got lots of spinning blades of death. Holy there's, cow. There's so some much. blades on the top of the helicopter and the back of the helicopter hanging underneath the helicopter. Well, and there's more than one helicopter, too. Why they needed two, I don't know. Also, why did he take out the most least dangerous helicopter first? Right. Also don't know, but we'll get to that. Bond makes a break for his BMW, hops inside, and activates the Simon game that's attached to his <laughs> uh, his steering wheel controls. It, I mean, it is a dead ringer for the Simon game it from the 80s. totally is. Beep, boop. It would have been funny if he had to do like a little exactly. color code in order to make it work. Now, now pay attention, 007. In order for you to arm red, your red, missile green, launcher, green. you must follow the pad strokes of Simon, the... <laughs> it's like, oh, 007, it generates a random pattern. You have to hit the exact same pattern in order to activate the missile. <laughs> it's basically the recapture of, the, of 1999. <laughs> it is. <laughs> exactly. So Bond successfully plays the Simon game and managed to activate his missiles. It proves to the missile targeting system that he is not a computer. Right. And then it does all the work for him with this little targeting system in the middle yeah. of the BMW symbol. Fires off the missiles at the wrong helicopter. <laughs> not the one that's right behind him. Yeah. About to chop, chop his him BMW. In half. Yeah. Clearly not tracking missiles or anything like And what's the deal, man? Well, first of all, you know, let's let's backtrack. I forgot. He drives the car automatically. Yes. And with it's a, a manual a- transmission. <laughs> well I have to point out the fact. That he's driving a manual transmission car automatically. I mean, when you're in the car, you want control. When you're out of the car, you just want to use your little finger on your on your little pad on your phone. Who's just, pushing the clutch? It does it for you. Apparently. No, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> I don't know. That's not how it works. <laughs> All I'm thinking in my head is like, how are they driving a car with a clutch when there's no one to push the clutch down? If you have a clutch that works by itself, isn't it then by definition an, an automatic. automatic transmission? I'm sorry. I, I'm a car nerd. Things like that bother me. Anyway, <laughs> he drives the car to get it into position. Then it goes in, activates the Simon game, wins the recapture, blows up the wrong helicopter, <laughs> and immediately gets cut in half by the helicopter he should have shot. Q's going to be so pissed. Yes. Q's <laughs> going to be so angry. And I'm like, didn't they say this thing had titanium armor? Something like that. I'm yeah. like, were they titanium blades? I mean, those blades cut through everything. They cut through pipelines. They cut through metal walls and roofs. I know. And everything. I mean. Titanium feels like it would have been a little more robust. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it cut through that like just what it probably was, aluminum. Yeah, it cut through that <laughs> car like a lightsaber through a Trade Federation door, man. <laughs> That cut through that thing like a lightsaber through a Sith Lord's abdomen. <laughs> that cut through like a lightsaber through oh, anything God. that isn't another lightsaber. Oh, Use whichever one you want. Oh, God. All three. All three. <laughs> All right. So the BMW, which I'm sad to say gets cut in half because, God, that was a gorgeous car. Oh, can I just say, though, right after it gets sliced in half, I love the reaction shot of Zukovsky having a good laugh about it. Right, like seeing seeing the car be chopped. Seeing Bond's like, car. Get- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watch what's going to happen to your house, man. <laughs> yeah. So meanwhile, we've got uh, Bullion all huddled up, grasping his shiny little man purse. <laughs> what is the story with that bucket, anyway, man? All of <laughs> <laughs> all the kings. <laughs> I know what you're about to say. All the king's horses and all the king's <laughs> yes, men. Yes, <laughs> that's it exactly. So now all of King's men are on the ground <laughs> and we've got a ground fight going on. So Bond zip lines down something using a crowbar, very reminiscent of uh, Half-Life and Gordon Freeman with the magic crowbar. Yeah. Gotta love that. It, it's just, it, again, this is where we start to get a lot of random action-y moments where one thing doesn't necessarily follow another. It's just, well, this shot looks great. This one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just throw in a cutaway to Zukovsky and Christmas Jones for a half a second and then show Bond doing another amazing, exactly. awesome action thing. Exactly. But all of it's fun to watch. Yeah, There's it's absolutely great. no doubt about it. Bond yells at Christmas and Zukovsky to get out. They try to dive out, but the helicopter 
has chopped a hole in the roadway, which sends them into the water below. Finally, Bond's like, I got to be smart. I'm going to open up a gas line. And one of the few moments where we get smart Bond. Yeah, definitely. I got to get out of this situation. I'm hopelessly outnumbered. What can I do? Open up a gas line. That always produces something good. Right. And there just happened to be a flare gun right next to him. Well, t- now I will say, an argument of having a flare gun right there, they are at sea. Yep. They are on the Caspian Sea. Yep, so you might a, actually, you might at the dock, you might actually need a flare gun. So there's a flare gun right there. And which he shoots with deadly accuracy. At the cloud of, of gas. Correct. At the cloud of <laughs> gas, which then... Catches on fire and then amazingly blows up the spinny blade helicopter. That's right. And maybe the worst miniature shot. I mean, even the balloon seemed more convincing <laughs> than a helicopter going up. I did like all the blades flying around, though. Oh, after, God. <laughs> CGI. <laughs> following Zukovsky. What the hell? <laughs> but it blows up, falls into the water. Blades are flying everywhere. We see uh, Zukovsky jump in. To avoid a blade, landing in his his pit of caviar. His pit of caviar, pit which is of so caviar. weird. It's so gross. Yeah. Because the consistency of it doesn't appear to be right. It almost, you know what? I just realized what it looks like. It looks like he jumped into a gigantic vat of black olives. You know the <laughs> olive juice that comes yes. in the cans? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that's even grosser than fish eggs. <laughs> so he's in there and he's, he's flopping around. Bond comes in and questions him, <laughs> really giving him a hard time because he's struggling, floating yeah. around in his caviar. Yeah. He's a big fella. <laughs> yeah. And that's not water. That's some viscous yeah. egg goo. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, I'm thinking aliens now. And, you know, basically Bond gets out of him what he needs to have. He finds out that occasionally um, Zukovsky is providing equipment to Elektra and that his nephew who he inaccurately identifies as a friend later in the movie. Yes. Um, his nephew... <laughs> Uh, who is in the Navy, has been smuggling those parts for him to her in Istanbul, not Constantinople. Uh, at that <laughs> point, uh, Bond starts, helping, starts to help Zukovsky get out, but then Bullion shows up to help. Zukovsky makes some comment about, well, we still have four solid walls, right. and then the entire facility falls down around them. And we couldn't get out of the scene without yet one last quip as we see the wide shot of everything... company is never going to believe this. <laughs> and I do like that the only person you see running out of the building is Christmas. <laughs> Everybody else stays in because of manly men. So with the end of Zukovsky's caviar business, uh, we <laughs> slide ever so goopily into Act 3. So, Act 3. From here, uh, we get this shot. It's kind of a strange shot um it's kind of it looks like it's almost like a dusk or something and renard is looking out with binoculars from their um you know rent a rent a subler yeah rent a sub layer uh in uh constantinople or uh istanbul not constantinople not constantinople and he sees a tanker ship coming into shore and we get this weird little shot of the tanker that eventually tilts down into the water and goes underwater. And then underneath, we see it reveals a submarine. And then it cuts to inside the tanker, where the submarine is now docking inside this thing. So, ooh. For (laughs) once, for once, they did it in the right order. See, now I know that a lot of people, I don't know. This is just me. I know a lot of people don't like it when the audience knows more than Bond. I prefer it. Yeah. And I'm just watching him react to things. Yes. Whereas in this movie, with the exception of this moment, most of the time you are figuring it out with Bond. You are with him every step of the way and it's very confusing. And since Bond is better at figuring these little things out, half the time I don't figure it out until like three scenes later. Right. When somebody else explains it for me. So so anyway, then uh, we cut to Daybreak and Zukovsky is with Bond and Christmas and they are walking into what used to be um, the KGB's Istanbul safe house. Now it belongs to FSB, the Federal Security Bureau, whatever that is. Yeah, anyway. different letters. Different letters. Same, same, same organization. Exactly. So um, it's finally uncovered 
that Zukovsky's nephew, Nikolai, is lending a nuclear submarine, not just machinery, to Renard and Electra. And Christmas explains that if you put the plutonium in the subreactor, you get total nuclear meltdown. Now, the thing is, is she explains it, but Bond basically sums it up right before that, too. Mm-hmm. Again, she's just echoing. And I don't know if that's one of those things where, well, it's probably two things. One, they didn't know what to give her to say. And two, they're trying to make it easier for the viewer to figure out what's going on. Right. It's just sort of reiterating so it punches into the viewer's brain. Okay, this is bad. Yeah. Blowing up a nuclear reactor using a small amount of plutonium would work and it would kill about 8 million people in Istanbul. So, <laughs> so something like that. Right. Anyway, and the other benefit of making this reaction happen in a submarine makes it look like an accident. And it also, it makes it so that the only safe pipeline to use is the King pipeline. Yeah, that's, that's, so that's the whole crux That's the of whole, it. yeah, the motivation behind doing it. Right. Then we quick cut over to Renard boarding Nikolai's submarine, giving the sailors some food and drink. Can't imagine if, if the uh, food and drink might be uh, poisoned or something. Mm, well, you know, and they're only renting a skeleton crew. Right. Anyway, so then we cut... Back to M. Do you know what do you know what M stands for? What does it stand for, Jason? MacGyver. <laughs> That's right. Indeed, indeed, because she certainly has her little uh her little MacGyver moment here. So Electra comes down to see M one last time where M asks her what time it is, and Electra picks up the clock on the floor, time to die. And I'm like, Time to die? No time wait, to wait, die. Wait a minute. There's no Haven't, time to die here. There's no time to die as far as I was mm-mm, told mm-mm, mm-mm. in a later... Anyway. Mm-mm. Okay. You know, once Electra's gone, M takes the warhead tracker that she had in her pocket conveniently. Right. And, uh, and hooks it up to the alarm clock battery. Very, very smart of her. Yes. So that suddenly, uh, immediately, the FSB picks it up on their little radar or whatever. And Bond magically immediately knows that it's M. It's like, oh, well, it has to be him. Of course. Well, didn't he give it to her? He did. So he knows she So he assumed that she still had it even while in the cell. Well, of course. Of course. When James Bond gives you something, (laughs) you keep it forever. That's right. You get ID cards, bullets, herpes, (laughs) all of it. So... So one little thing in here that you pointed out. Yeah, a little Easter egg. A little Easter egg in this scene, which I loved once I realized it was there. Right. Is that inside this little FSB office, up on the wall. Next to the map where they're figuring out where the coordinates that are coming from the signal are. Yes, there's a little little picture of uh, one Miss Xenia on a top. That's right. And a really bad, almost dot matrixy level printing job. But you can't miss Famke Jansen even in 8 bits. Nope. <laughs> so nice little touch there. Which I'm like, did Zukovsky put that there? It's like his his Playboy oh, God. thing there. <laughs> well, somebody told me too that in that same room on the there's some lockers that you see in part okay. of that scene, and there's some pinups on the lockers. And somebody online said that all the pinups on the lockers were also Bond girls. Like they really? they clipped out pictures of old bond girls and stuck them to the to the lockers that's fantastic it's it's so far off though like when i was watching it you can't make out who any of them are you can just tell that they're pinups that's that's as far as it goes but it's probably probably got a ivanova holy ivanova you you know you know you know you've got to have a a pusher Pusher galore what if it was just russian ones Oh, that's right. You'd have Barbara Bach on there. Right. Um, Agent Triple X. Yes. Probably the lady in charge, too. What was the, the, the old red oh, lady? Oh, Irma Bunt? Yeah, she's probably up there, too. Because, <laughs> you know, some 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 of those Russians like the... Everybody's got their thing. They got, everybody's got their A cake. for every pot, man. We'll just move on. Continue. At this point, Zukovsky calls on Boolean to go get M. But Boolean has left a bomb in the office and then ran the hell out of there. So, boom, bomb goes off, and then they manage to get just far enough away from the bomb to be relatively unscathed. And how brutal. So, that case he's been carrying around the whole time is the bomb. Right. right? And I I thought about how brutal it was in the second viewing because he sets the bomb on the desk of a lady that just talked, right? She was giving them some information. That lady got liquefied by that thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just like, 
Ooh, that may be a little too personal for me. Uh, at least the way that it was filmed, it wasn't like <laughs> No, obvious. I mean, it wasn't. No, it was definitely a PG-13. <laughs> but normally you get stuff like that at the box. It's not sitting somewhere next to a character who just had a speaking Right. Line. It's it's usually sitting on the floor. Or right. Or something. if it is with a speaking line, the intent is for you to go, oh, shit, they killed that lady. Right. Right. So right. it seemed kind of disingenuous when I watched them. It was like, damn. Yeah. A little rough. A little rough. But uh, the three mains are fine. Well, but we don't know that... Uh, we don't know that Zukovsky's okay. okay. Yeah. So, because we just see Bond and Christmas take off after Bullion, which I don't know what they're going to try and do, because clearly Bullion has got more guys waiting. Right. Right. So, and I mean, in my notes even, I'm like, bye, Hagrid. <laughs> oh, no. Poor Hagrid. So they try and chase him, and as soon as they get outside, Bond and Christmas are surrounded by Elektra's men. Meanwhile, we see Renard's men take over the sub, and all the sailors are dead. I hope you enjoyed your meal. <laughs> Subsequently thrown overboard. Which you get to see, which I it's think so is fantastic. Cold. It's so cold. Oh, man, it's cold. And then from here, we see Bond being taken to Electra's quarters for some quality pain facing. Um, but before that, now this is that moment that I talked about probably in episode one of our two-parter here, where we get some really great acting out of Renard. Right. So Electra goes to meet with Renard at the submarine. And this is this moment where Renard knows that he's going to be done for soon because he can barely feel a damn thing. Right. And at this point, it's basically just a suicide mission. Right. And he's doing it all for her. And that's yeah. what's so... Yeah, it's, it's it's painfully romantic in its own way. In a weird sort because of way he, it is. he's like this... He turned her into the bad guy. He turns her into a monster and suddenly... And he suddenly becomes more of a human being by channeling that into her. Yeah. And he's also conflicted because he knows he did that yeah so there's this layers of layers of layers here yeah that you're like holy shit i'm getting all of that out of one little two or three little lines of dialogue yeah, because she comes up and kisses him passionately and you can see the pain on his face while she's trying to kiss him and he's just like he can't feel any of it it's like it's just he's just numb to all of it and, and he and it's just and it's eating him alive that he can't feel anything. Right, right. It's a great little moment where he's like, this is the end. Um, and she's like super excited. And she's like, this will be the beginning. And and um, and then he walks away and he says, uh, the future is yours. Have fun with it. And it's just like, damn. Like just such a reversal of who's who's the monster now and who's right. the, who's the innocent one now? And she she very unpainfully accepts it. I'm like, yep, you're right. Yeah, I'll she's, go pawn. She's almost yeah, just sort of. Eh, I'm I'm done with you now. I've gotten what I needed out of you. <laughs> so so he goes off to go back into the sub, and uh, and we go back to uh, Bond at the uh, torture chair, and <laughs> we get this fun little exchange, which I actually kind of enjoyed. I could have given you the world. Huh. The world is not enough. Foolish sentiment. Family motto. And I love how Bond just sort of, <laughs> what are you, you going to do? <laughs> I was born into this. <laughs> yeah, I do I do like that he gets the title into it there. And it's not ham- It's not too egregious. It's, yeah, it's not too ham-fisted or anything. Um, and then we see Christmas being escorted away to the submarine. And then we get to uh, heavy torture time. Um, oh, yeah. Twisty, twisty, click, click, click. <laughs> and I actually really like this scene. I actually think it's pretty cool. Like, it goes on too long. Yeah. But like, you get some sexy torture going on. It's very sexy torture. I didn't think it was ever going to get to sexy. Part of it is, too, is Brosnan is so convincing in showing his pain off with all his pain faces. As much as people love online to to make fun of him, it's convincing. Sure. It's very convincing that he's in a lot of pain. But then, man, they cut to the wide, and she's straddling in him. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, this is kind of sad. This is like a sexy. Well, sexy not even that. <laughs> she like swishes the gown around, yeah, and then it does the whole. Oh, and then she's. Do you know what happens to men when they are? Yes. You know that whole thing, like bringing that into it. It's like, jeez, am I in the middle of a red shoe diaries moment? Like a, here? Hello, <laughs> so, this is PG thirteen, right? So just as Bond's about to die, basically, and he says like. He gets in one last thing as he's choking. He's like, one last screw or uh-huh. whatever. And then you hear gunfire gunfire outside. And 
You see Zukovsky blasting his way in. Now, I thought it looked like they did a good job, and it could have just been me. I don't know. But when he's getting off the boat outside and he's shooting people, it looked like his face was still blue from the caviar. It looked like his face hmm. was still stained. Well, he definitely had something on his face when he died. So, yeah, it must have just literally been like, he got on a boat and left. Right, right. So for continuity's sake, they didn't clean him up any. Right. So Zukovsky blasts his way in, finally killing Bullion, which I really enjoyed. He's like, yes. I'm so glad you're alive, boss. He's like, yeah, so am I. Boom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Elektra uh, manages to shoot Zukovsky. Well, he comes in and then Bond is like, look over at that submarine hat over here with his eyes. He's not right. saying it, but he's like. <laughs> that was a, a visual joke for you people because everybody yes. knows that visual stuff is part of the podcast. It medium. definitely translates into uh, audio. You watch the movie. You know what I mean. <laughs> so then uh, he like sort of orders Electra to bring over the hat. Which and, is so dumb. Yeah. And so, of course, she's hiding the gun behind the hat and then shoots Zukovsky. Down he goes. Down he goes. Bye, Hagrid. Bye, Hagrid. And then... Uh, with a final bullet in his fancy schmancy walking cane gun, Zukovsky manages to shoot at Bond and and break open his uh, the the, the shackle yeah. yeah the arm restraint and it's too, funny too they I felt like it would have been almost better off if they hadn't had a line here at all um, because I felt like they explained away right after Zukovsky shoots the restraint Electra is like. Wow, he must have really hated you to try and kill so you with you, his yes. with this last bullet. Yes. And I almost felt like that wasn't needed, like that almost drew more attention to the what's going on here type moment. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it was more to cover the fact that she didn't realize. It was to show that she didn't realize that he'd hit something important right. with that shot. Right. So that she could be surprised when Bond got free. Right. So then Electra comes over and I'm I don't even remember what she was gonna do. But Bond break of course breaks free because the shackles open and knocks her to the floor. And in the meantime, he unlocks the neck brace and he gets out and manages to grab the gun or something. I don't know. And and Electra flees up the stairs. Right. Taunting him the whole way. Taunt like so You can't kill me. I'm so hot. You can't bring yourself to do it. Look at how hot I am running up these stairs in my flowy dress. Very much so. (laughs) So as Bond is running up the uh, stairwell after her, uh, we hear M call out. Bond! It is the most forceful. I'm like, damn, that woman has a voice on her. Right? Like Shakespeare. (laughs) Exactly. So M yells out, Bond! And so Bond stops and goes into the room where her cell is and doesn't even acknowledge her hardly. Just shoots the lock. Just shoots the lock. You're on your own, lady. (laughs) Just keeps running. Runs up to the top of the steps. He's got her cornered and he grabs the, the radio that I don't even know when he had the radio, but he took the radio off his belt and he hands it to her at gunpoint and says, call Renard off. And... That's when Electra does her best. But look at how sexy I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you can't you, kill me. You can't kill me. You can't turn me in. Come with me, James. We could we could do wonderful things. You know, just all the <laughs> look at me. Ooh, oh, all the blink, just blink, just blink, so blink. many blinky blinky uh, moments there. You can't kill me. You'd miss me too much, or you'd miss me. Yeah, something like that. And then instead of calling Renard off, she... Basically keep on going. Right, and then, of course, that's when Bond shoots her. And I never miss. (laughs) (laughs) Well, from that range. (laughs) You would hope not. (laughs) And we get this little weird moment where Bond sort of stands over her as she's dead on the bed, and M is watching this whole thing, and he just sort of, like, dips down over her and just kind of, like closes her eyelids or whatever and then he goes out onto the balcony almost as if he didn't even see M standing there watching all of this because there's no discussion yeah, between no the two acknowledgement at all like I you well it's almost as if those two things were shot on two different days you wonder you wonder <laughs> so anyway he goes out onto the balcony and he looks down in the water and he sees the submarine and it's shockingly close at this point too like I'm thinking about 
the geography of that rent-a-mansion. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's not close. You can't you can't sail a, a submarine that close to that thing. So the whole thing... Okay. <laughs> so submarines, right? <laughs> People always think submarines, I think, are just the little part that sticks out of the water. Right. Right? And submarines are freaking gigantic. They're, big, big, big. Right. So big that... You can't draft them. You can't run them through normal traditional waterways. Right. Even when they're partially or even when they're not submerged. Right. Because unlike the old days, submarines used to come all the way up to the surface, the whole boat, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Indiana Jones style, right? Right. But because they also didn't always completely submerge, they couldn't stay submerged like they can now. So this submarine that they're in probably is... I don't know. It's several hundred. It's probably at least 100 feet long. Yeah. Right? But it's also probably 50 or 60 feet high. Right? And most waterways that are attached to anything are not that deep. No way. So when you're seeing it, when I'm seeing it inside the little hidey hole it's in. Right. I'm thinking it's a sub pen that it was built to be that. Right. But nobody goes to the effort of explaining that. Right. They could have even said it was on this uh, sub thing. It was a secret old Nazi hidden base. On an island that looked a lot like Tatooine. And <laughs> there was a small expeditionary force there in the early third or late thirties. And there was a thing that happened and it was abandoned after that. I don't know. Either way though, because I'm looking at it and when he dives off of the balcony, I'm like, how did he know it was gonna be deep enough for him to jump that way? And I'm like, oh well shit, if there's a submarine in there, he's got no problem. It's deep enough, but the thing is, is that thing is probably so much wider underwater. Uh-huh. He'd be lucky not to hit it. Well, yeah, exactly. And I mean, he he jumps in. He's like right next to it. Yeah. So, which means that underwater, he's probably pong. Yeah. <laughs> so but anyway, yeah. Bond so, vision. I don't know. So yeah. So he swan dives off the balcony to get onto the sub and save Christmas. Not the holiday Christmas Jones. That's a different movie. <laughs> Santa Claus versus the Navy. It's a completely different movie. <laughs> so anyway, and Istanbul as we know it. So he gets on the sub and quickly forces a guard to lead him to where Christmas is. Then we cut to see Renard doing cool, glowy things with plutonium. They're preparing it. <laughs> this is another moment I know Jason it has a problem with. That's not how you make plutonium, <laughs> Rods. And I'm pretty sure you don't manufacture them right there on a sub. <laughs> with no no enclosure Yeah, either. no protection. <laughs> no enclosure whatsoever. Because guess what? Oh, well, it's not weapons-grade plutonium, so it must be dangerous. You can't handle it. <laughs> but we'll just go ahead and have that little blue, blue glowy rod go through. <laughs> I'm least- sure the blue glowy rod is perfectly safe. There's no need to have any sort of enclosure or protection or also, wear a suit. or Do plutonium rods glow? Uh, no, they don't. <laughs> but, you know, movies. Right. So people think that all things nuclear glow. From here, Bond tells Christmas that he's going to try and force the sub to surface so that it shows up on spy satellites and brings out the Navy. And then, of course, it all promptly goes wrong. Right. Um, He goes in there and he tries to commandeer the command center. Everything goes awry and the sub nosedives and starts headed downward. And we get the little smart-ass comment from Christmas about... So we're supposed to be going up. They'll change the plan. So, So now the sub is vertical and it hits the bottom of the sea and that's when you know we get everybody's everybody's vertical and swinging you're falling down and chaos dogs and cats living together (laughs) and um we start seeing water invading into the sub uh we also get a quick shot where renard who's also you know dangling from a a thing something he's hanging on to the grating that was previously the floor Right, and you see him losing his gun. The gun falls several tens of feet down, so he's not going to be able to get to that. Pay attention, kids. Uh, he no longer has a gun. So we cut back and see, and Christmas sees that Renard has opened up the reactor and locked himself in. So Bond then has to try and swim outside the sub and re-enter into the reactor room escape hatch while Christmas unlocks the hatch that lets him in. So, as we mentioned before, this is the one time that Christmas does something. This is the entire reason that the character is in the (laughs) The movie, movie, is to open this hatch so that Bond can stop him. This might explain 
why the dialogue for her is so bad. They had they got to this point of the thing like, oh fuck. <laughs> now what is she supposed to no, say? No, 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 no. They were like, there was no Christmas Jones in the script. They got to this oh, point. I see, what, I see what you're saying. Who's gonna operate the door? Fuck. All right. All right, Stick here's with what me. we do. Here's what we do. We 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 make a Bond girl. We'll call her oh, yeah? I yeah, don't know. Yeah. Uh like Easter Smith Easter, or yes. Passover Abramowitz. <laughs> no, Christmas Jones. Perfect. <laughs> we'll make her a doctor. <laughs> She'll be a physicist. Then she could be working with Bond. <laughs> this is amazing. I, this is great. How did we not think of this before? And then they went and wrote like pages and pages of dialogue. Gave her an excellent backstory that would have been fully explained. And then United Artists then came United over Artists and said, went, no, 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 we don't, we don't need. What if we just, we don't need Tandy. What Duke. if, what if, yeah, we don't need Tandy. What if we just find a really hot American chick, uh, just all American type looking girl. That'll appeal to the audience. Yes. That, you know, wearing tight clothes the entire time. Uh, but glasses. So she's smart. <laughs> which she doesn't wear. <laughs> Not Well, she does at the beginning, but that's about it. Yeah. So that explains the whole reason why she's so underdeveloped as a character. Because I feel like they got to this point and said, oh shit, who pushes the button? Right. Who lets him in? Right. So they had to create an entire character just to get her to push a button. <laughs> so that's what happens. Uh, Bond swims outside, goes into the escape hatch, and then with a little bit of trouble kudos to christmas for you know being faithful and despite the water flooding the cabin that she's in she yep. goes underwater she, and she she goes in it's not there yet yeah get some air goes in it's not there yet goes back get some air oh he's there now and then she fumbles with the button right right which I'm, I'm laughing the whole time because i'm like why did you just leave the button cover off right instead she has to take the cover off first before <laughs> even hitting the button anyway so then bond fights renard essentially we we get the little the final fight and renard just kicks his ass oh, which sure. makes sense i mean because he can't feel pain and and then he really gets pissed off when he discovers that electra's dead already yeah well bond did it to yeah to, to get his goat right can i point out before we just so have you ever had like a fancy pen a fancy pen yeah you know like you know like really nice like a mont blanc or uh, i don't think i've had any of pen I, i'm familiar but that I, you put I, refills in is what i basically what i'm saying i don't think i have had one okay so the plutonium rod <laughs> that he had that big bronze looking thing uh-huh Looked almost exactly like one of the refill, like a, like a refill giant for refill. a nice pen. The big, longer thing with the reservoir for the ink, mm-hmm. and then the part of that is actually the pen tip that goes into it. <laughs> so every time I'm looking, and I'm like, "Oh, Mont Blanc, <laughs> fancy plutonium rod by Mont Blanc." Oh yeah, I want, I want the plutonium pen. That would be freaking awesome. <laughs> so. As they're in the middle of fighting, too, Bond has to stop fighting him for a second and save Christmas from drowning because, again, she is in the cabin below that is... She's drowning. Yeah, it's flooding. So uh, so she lets him in. And then in the meantime, Renard is still trying to push the plutonium rod into the coolant of the reactor or whatever it is. I don't even know. It's this stupid. Is, listen, kids, I'm not great at science. And I think it shows during this episode quite a bit. <laughs> but anyway, I'm not great at science. All I know is he's trying to push this plutonium rod in that's going to make everything go explodey. So he almost does. And then after Bond saves christmas you know we get more fighting and that's when that's when he gets his goat by telling him right. that that electra's dead he's and trying to do- get him emotional well and he's trying to tell him you're doing this all for nothing there's no reason to kill eight million people electra's dead you know but that just pisses him off more right. and so he starts pushing it in he gets it all he gets the the plutonium rod all the way in there and that's when Bond starts putting two and two together within this cabin that he's in. He right. sees the pressurized this, and here's the hose. And if I stick this hose on this thing, it's going to recreate the air pressure. And then if I hit this lever, it's going to shoot it all out, you know, right. yada, Which, yada, yada. I'm like, wait a minute. So if that system was intended to eject each one of the rods right. by pushing a button, why was the level of that set to eviscerate human being <laughs> right because at, at worst at best it's going to shoot across the room <laughs> and hit the machinery on the other end and cause an explosion right. or a very dangerous leak of plutonium right within the cabin right so i'm like there could have at least been a like you know half full 
Right. You know, three quarters, <laughs> no nope. throttle, and just, he's just like all the way up. Full throttle. <laughs> yep. Goes right into his chest. I was waiting for Arnold Schwarzenegger to go, blow off some steam, Bennett. Yeah, stick around. <laughs> None of that. Yet, it's every fun. Every <laughs> other line in the movie is that, except for the most obvious time for that line right. to be there. Somehow there's no quip right there after that. <laughs> Maybe they knew that the best line had already been used with blow off some steam. Don't go nuclear, Renard. Oh, God. <laughs> Actually, you know what? There's a really bad quip. By Renard in this area too, right as he begins putting it in, he's like, "Welcome to my nuclear family." family. Yep, so dumb. Anyway, so then Renard's dead, and Christmas reels off some dialogue that is, man, she is clearly just reading off cue cards or something. Right? It's so bad. We have to stabilize the blah 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 blah. It's totally meaningless, right? Because has, Bond says, "No, there's water leaking in here. It's going to cool everything off. Let's swim away." Yeah, let's just get out of here. So. Anyway, <laughs> they had to write the dialogue back. I'm just saying. So, <laughs> so Bond and Christmas, they work their way up to this uh, torpedo shooter bay yeah. or whatever. Launch and, tube. Yeah, launch tube. And they fire themselves yeah. up to the surface. They do that. Which I hope they exhaled on the Dude, way up. He did point that out, He though. did point that out when earlier. He, if you have to get out this way, make sure you're exhaling the whole way out because you don't no, want to get the bends. If you're that deep, though, I, I know I'm... Getting well, off on a tangent here. But if you're that deep, is that even going to be enough to avoid getting the bends? To uh, simply exhale? Honestly, sure. From a <laughs> physics standpoint, yes. From a fact that they could not have possibly swam that far without keeping the air in their lungs, no. <laughs> so there's They that. should have drowned is what should have yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, off they go. Right. And, and uh, get out of the water and don't even breathe hard. Well, no, Pierce does a little bit of his uh oh, yeah. his, his gasping face. But uh, but still, <laughs> that you just swam I mean granted, that thing was not that far down. Right. Honestly, if it hit seabed where it was at, it was probably the tail was barely not sticking out right. of the top of the water. <laughs> right. But so, but still, a little more effort. Right. So we get a little explodey, but everything's fine and It was kind of a cool underwater explosion. Yeah, yeah. You got the big white air bubbles that I love so much. I do things. love the big white air bubbles. Those are fun. Kind of like when you fart in the tub. Exactly. <laughs> Only mine are always more brown. Anyway. <laughs> so, so finally. <laughs> wow. I might be cutting that out. I don't know. <laughs> I'll leave it up to you. So finally, we cut to uh, MI6 Scotland, and M arrives back, and Tanner looks very relieved. And we get this nice little nod from from R in the background. Right. And uh, she asks where uh, Bond is. And it's like, have you not been in one of these movies before? Yeah. He's shagging somebody somewhere. Yeah. Did you not see the... <laughs> did M actually ever see Christmas Jones at any point in time? Yeah, because she was in the... She's in the room, remember, when they find out that the maintenance... Rig. Has, well, that's right. Yeah. So did you not see Christmas Jones? <laughs> did you not see Christmas Jones? How well do you know 007? Because you seem to know him pretty well. <laughs> you guys have brought up time and time again that he has a really hard time. He's a slut. He is a bit of a slut. So anyway, and of course, then we cut to Bond in Turkey. I've always wanted to have Christmas in Turkey. <laughs> not a... Uh, and, then, and then, you know, she plays along... Uh, did you want to open your Christmas present now? <laughs> no. And then, uh, of course, we cut back to MI6 because this the end wouldn't be complete without MI6, the whole of MI6 knowing that Bond is shagging somebody of at course. this point. So or as I used to say, keeping the British end up. Indeed. So, you know, MI6 finds the warhead tracker on their little thing. And they're like, well, there's the tracker. Who's there? Oh, well, Body Heat shows up as red. Of course, they zoom in and... It looks like it's just 007 to begin with. Yes. It's getting redder. Yeah. What's going on? And then the legs... Yeah, the legs spread and everybody's like looking at each other like, uh, awkward work situation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Apparently there's an R, but not a HR. And then, of course, you can't even stop there. You got to go back to Bond. I was wrong about you. I thought Christmas only came once a year. And again, uh, we'll refer to you as I did <sighs> in the previous episode. Look up the Christmas Jones robot chicken uh, sequence <laughs> on the YouTubes. You will thank me later. Yes, yes. And there you have it. 
The world is not enough. And boy, it was certainly enough of this movie. Indeed, indeed. But all in all, yeah, I would happen to agree with you. It actually felt better than I thought it was going to feel watching it. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I felt like, a, like I said, it kept my interest because of the fact that I didn't really know who the bad guy was. Mm-hmm. You know, I was kept in suspense enough to want to follow the plot rather than just go, right. how long do we get to the next cool stunt? Okay. Right. So also shot really nicely. As you pointed out in the last episode, the music really good. Yes. And can I just say like, shout out to women in this movie, because I feel like half the time women are saving this movie from being campy and cliche mm-hmm. because you've got Electra King, who is a great villain who actually comes off as a compelling villain who isn't just somebody with an eye deformity or right. a bullet in her brain or whatever. And she doesn't talk weird or say kill bond right. or anything strange like that. She's actually smart and capable and she's manipulating everybody around her. And then you've got M who all of the quips that she says work. And it's largely because you have no choice but to write her well. Yeah, because it's Dame it's, Judy Dench. It's Dame Judy friggin' Dench. That's right. So you have to. And the only one who's not written well is Christmas Jones. Yeah, but I mean, she does an admirable job of pushing the torpedo room button to <laughs> airlock <laughs> as needed. And I, you know what? But we said, again, we said it in part one. It was more her situational yes. area than anything else. Yes. She's fine when she's in her wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. If they had tailored this to be more in her wheelhouse, she probably right. would have been fine too. This is this is another case of UA, United Artists, mm-hmm. coming in and saying, we want this. Right. We're, you're going to shoehorn this stupid character right. <laughs> into, into our movie. Right. And hope... Hope for the best. Yeah. I'll tell you, the Christmas Jones movie would be fantabulous. It'd be amazing. I'd go see that even now. I would see sequels of that. Yeah, absolutely. Even if it was straight to streaming. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I don't know about you, but I think we've said pretty much all we can say. Yeah, I think we have said- About the world uh, is not enough. I think we've said enough about the world is not enough. Indeed, indeed. But, uh, you know- As always, we are always looking for listener interaction. So let us know what you thought of this movie. Let us know what you thought of our review of this movie. Let us know what you think about uh, what the capital V Syria is or maybe what your favorite color is. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Tell us all the things, but get in touch with us. On email, it's uh, cicdeaddrop at gmail.com. On Instagram, it's Central Intelligence Cinema, separated by underscores. Or on Twitter, it's at CICSpyPod. And we're on Facebook. So look us up there, too. And also, if you do enjoy the podcast, we'd love it if you would give us a glowing, wonderful review. Because, as we all know, these things help. So We want those reviews to glow like a rod of plutonium in a nuclear submarine. <laughs> That's right. So please, uh, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, please give us a good five-star review because it Let's our show get seen faster when people are looking for this sort of silly spy shit. Amen. But uh, with that, I'm Ben. And I'm Jason. And the CIC will return with more missions, more martinis. And more mayhem. And a little bit of caviar. Sour cream, anyone? Anyone?